0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 57 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by index fund advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today we have four people, two couples that are legend in the team pinning industry, um, the discipline of team pinning, Western reigning, but they don't even know it. It's going to be great. <music> This is Debbie Lauchs, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thank you for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Hello, Debbie. So glad that you're joining me today because, you know, team pinning with uh, carriage driving just isn't the same. So, we're gonna- <laughs> And I know, I know that you have been – uh, kind of playing with some of this Western stuff. I and have. So I thought you'd be interested in this. I thought of you when we were setting this interview up. And what we did was we pre recorded. So this is going to be pre recorded today, but, uh, and you haven't heard it yet. No, I haven't. But we're going to be talking about the roots of teen pinning. And that means going back to where did it get birthed and where did, you know, what is it and what's it
2: all about and things like that. What do you think? That's going to be fascinating because I know having not, I didn't grow up in the Western disciplines culture. So Mm -hmm. I know very little about the origins of any of this stuff. (laughs) Um, So I'm, I'm very curious to hear about how all this started and it's, I think that's timely because we're seeing now that these – I forget what – I don't know what you call them. I wouldn't call them rodeo sports, but these disciplines that require athleticism mm-hmm. and independence from the competitor, working <laughs> cattle, for example, and a, a more of an all-around – um, trading regime for the competitive horse. Those things are really gaining a lot of popularity with all of the different ranch disciplines with the AQHA mm-hmm. and other breeds. So this is a very timely topic now with, with the rise of those disciplines.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And the thing that's so interesting, a couple of things that, um, you'll hear, then you listen all the way through, you'll hear all these different points that we're going to make, but you're going to hear that not only does it have some roots in the transition time from horses being, you know, your, your mode of transportation, your tractor, your livelihood. It's that transition time when team pinning came into be. When people had the wonderful athletic horses, but it wasn't really that they were ranching anymore with them. And so, what do you do? And they started. So, it
2: grew out of that industrial revolution where um, (laughs) steam engines and then tractors and the internal combustion engine came to be. And. And, and then what do you do
1: with horses? Do and do people
2: do horses? people have this appreciation for a lot of American quarter horses. You're absolutely
1: right. Uh, but they had an appreciation for a good, you know, a good level headed horse, yeah. horse that uh, would carry you through thick and thin and certainly go ra- uh, work ranch cattle. And, and then it also, the second point is it's become very international. And you're going to hear a little story about that too, that, uh, you know, it pops up in Italy, it pops up in Germany and, and they don't even know really they know it's Western and they know it's, you know,
2: to do with John the, Wayne.
1: It's very John Wayne. That's right. very good. That's very
2: That's interesting. Right. I never yeah. thought of it that way, but yeah. I know a little oh, yeah. bit about the Vercaro tradition because you talk about it on the horsemanship radio show and a couple of other shows. We, it comes up occasionally mm-hmm. very different than what I knew about quote cowboys from watching, you know, Tom Mixon and the Lone yeah. Ranger on TV. Right. That, is even different than what I would understand yeah. to be ranching and, and cattle and horse work from yeah. the United States. Does And, and Europe is going to have its own separate traditions. So from their point of view, what we do to work cattle... Is not going to be the same as what their tradition would have been. Am I kind of on the right track there? Yeah, they there weren't so many cattle in the European times.
1: You know, the most in last few hundred years, uh, they just didn't have the room. And in fact, the Vaquero tradition. Just we can touch on that for just a bit. In California, it was really interesting. The Spanish came to California with the big boats in order to pick up our probably our most um, oft. Exported uh, product, which was skins. So they, gr- the the big rancheros out here, the ranch, uh, the vistas of ranches out here were owned by um, just a few families, really, from Mexico all the way uh, up through California, and, and the cattle were just loose out there to feed and grow up. But of course, you couldn't put a couple hundred years ago, you couldn't put. Fatted cow, um, and lots of them on boats to oh. take them back to Europe for okay. leather. So they would literally skin them on the beaches uh, here in California, and they had those certain ports where they would come into um, bays, really, and and pick up the skins that had been cured on the beaches, and the the meat was left uh, because there really wasn't anybody here to eat it, and. And you couldn't you couldn't uh, carry it, so,
2: so it was really the leather and the hide mm-hmm. that was the commodity, not the food that's value it. of the cattle. That's it. Interesting. And so, uh, so when the cat, the, so if the cattle
1: is the biggest industry here, ranching and and a good reliable horse that can go all day and herd cattle, it was invaluable. I mean, that's that was probably the that and the cowboy, the vaquero, was the, the biggest commodity. Hmm. So, fast forward to the. Um, to the early ranching eras, where you're starting to get the rodeos are becoming a bit more um, uh, disciplined, and and you know it's becoming more entertainment value than it was yeah. practical. Rather value. than practical, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where these some of the the roots of these disciplines are. So let's talk a little bit about what team pinning is for people before we yes, get into because it. Because
2: so, I'm I'm a little bit confused. All of these different sports that involve a cow of some size. It gets a little confusing because just it's it's a little bit like for someone who maybe is from more familiar with the Olympic disciplines, like show jumping or dressage, it's yeah. the difference between the intermediaire two and the grand Prix For someone mm-hmm. who's inside, it's perfectly obvious what the difference is. But mm-hmm. from somebody who is completely greenhorn, you know mm-hmm. it it all kind of blends together, so please give me the important details. Okay.
1: <laughs> well as I've heard them. Um it's not that i I'm a great team putter or anything. I I'm not in that discipline. But um but we did grow up with a lot of the Western uh, disciplines and then saw the roots of some of those coming through. And and that is exactly where Team Penning's roots are, Western ranching work, like we were talking about. But, but today, it's now become a timed event. So it's a fast-paced event that gives a team of three riders on horseback from 60 to 90 seconds. It's still some loosey-goosey stuff out there. It's still evolving, depending on the class or the sanctioning of the event. And and you're sent in to separate three specifically identified cattle from a herd of about 30. And that is in order to put them in a 16 by 24 uh, foot pin. And there's a 10 foot opening at the opposite end of the arena. So you start at one end and then you, you're given the numbers. So the sport features 30 cattle with numbers affixed to their back and three of each of the three each wearing a number between zero and nine with Uh or sometimes. Uh So it's, it's like
2: a deck of cards. You have, you have three groups of 10 hanging around out there in a big arena. That's right. Okay. Or sometimes
1: they have colored collars rather than attached numbers. but And that's evolved, too. We'll hear some about that. Um, the timing starts once the line judge has dropped his flag, and then the lead rider's horse crosses the foul line. So there's a foul line there. At that time, then the announcer identifies the cattle that to be separated by calling out the, the randomly drawn numbers or the the collar. So
2: collar. The, mm-hmm. the flag drops. One of the officiating persons screams out three. So that means the first rider across that line, he has to go and discern yeah. the three different cows in that herd who have number three on them.
1: Yeah, so you Got can it. start to see uh, identifying those, and cattle that's harder quickly. than it looks,
2: by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, That's much harder oh, than yeah. it looks. You'll hear some of that in the
1: interview too about how they decided, you know, how to get the numbers on the cattle, where to put them, you know, to make it fair for everybody, and um, you know, the, you've seen that now they've gone to colored. Callers and but um anyway that's that's the gist of it and it is timed and it is fun and funny and it's bravado and all kinds <laughs> of stuff between and it's a it's really actually been kind of fun it's very balanced between men and women. Um, That's which true. Been, they don't divide it up class-wise, do they? It's not the men's class and the women's class. They all compete no, together. The women are tough. You know, a good horse and, uh, and, a, and a good hand doesn't matter. So, um, yeah, you'll hear some of that. It was a real couples thing. It was a real social family-oriented sport as well, one of those things that you get together on the weekend and, and have some fun with. And you'll hear something about the Calcuttas in there, you know, and how they do a little uh, put a little money on these things. and
2: uh, well, Oh, there's always a wager involved.
1: Yeah, always. Yes. And, and maybe it, a
2: bottle or two. But yes. other than that. <laughs> the, the wager could be something as small as who's buying tacos at the end of the day and yeah, goes right. up from there.
1: It goes way up from yeah. there, yeah, too. But uh, most importantly, uh, I, I want the listeners to know that this is about three riders and three horses in harmony working together to separate those correct cattle and and herd them into a pen while keeping the rest of the herd back. Right. That's As Jen said, that is not as easy yep. as it sounds, um, and you really have to have a horse that understands you and is listening to you, and vice versa, you have to understand what that horse's needs are. So there's a lot of horsemanship at stake here. It sounds like a lot of fun, um, but but listen for the horses and the horsemanship in it too. Can't wait. Here we
3: go. Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts' Willing Partners graduate, He's a Sugar Bear. (laughs) You know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament, and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey at ifa.com. That's IFA as in Index Fund Advisors. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133.
1: So our guests today are John and Georgia Weister and Monty and Pat Roberts. John Weister has lived a full life. He's not only a fine horseman, but he's an author and a rancher along with his wife, Georgia, in the San Inez Valley of California. Their ranch is located in the Santa Rita Hills Appalachian, which grows some of the finest Pinot Noir grapes in the world. John has been a professor of biology at Westmont College in Santa Barbara, California, and he wrote The Genesis Connection, among other fi- fine books that he's written as well. Monty and Pat Roberts founded Flag Farms in Solvang, California in 1966, so this is their 50th anniversary and golden jubilee year there. Uh, the rep- their reputation for raising and training world-class horses is renowned, but my, my you might not know that separating cattle uh, into pens for branding, doctoring, or transport is also something that they uh, have in their skill sets. Team pinning, a Western equestrian sport, has evolved, and we're going to hear a little bit about how they talk about uh, the roots of team pinning. So both Monty and Pat are fine horsepersons, and they met John in Georgia decades ago and struck up a lifelong friendship with uh, horses and whitewater canoeing and team pinning all together. I'm so glad you all agreed to talk a little bit about teen penning because I understand that there's a whole world of information out there on teen penning. Some of it's current and some of it goes way back. And I know that some of you go way back. So I thought it'd be fun if we put a little roots in this teen penning because it has it has been a meandering discipline and it really started right here in Central California, from what I can see from homework. And my little bit of research took me to Wikipedia. And Wikipedia defines team pinning as a Western equestrian sport that evolved from the common ranch work of separating cattle into pens for branding, doctoring, or transport. And I have with me two couples. And I'm going to introduce each one of them. I want you to say hi so that they know that you're out here and alive. I've got Pat Roberts with me. Hi there. I've got Georgia Wiester. Greetings. And Georgia's going to tell us a little bit about, she wasn't Georgia Weister when she first found out about this team pinning thing. And I've got John Weister.
4: Hello there. Hi. New to hear.
1: Thank you. Happy New Year. And we've got Monty Roberts. Present. Yes. And on accounted, an for. accounted for. Good. So we're going to be talking a little bit about the history of the sport, but I wanted to tell you all, in case you're not familiar with the current status of team pinning, that today the sport is the fastest-growing Western sport in the United States, Canada, Australia, and Europe, not to mention North America. So the primary team-pinning sanctioning organization in the United States today is the Team Pinning Association, USTPA, headquartered in Fort Worth, Texas. And there are an estimated 93 1,000 active team pinners in North America alone. Wow. Is that amazing? Yeah. So we wanted to, we wanted to um, hear a little bit about the way you saw team pinning in the beginning. And let's take it back to, I don't know if this goes back as far for you, the Weisters, as it does for the Roberts. But the Roberts are familiar with the team pinning all the way back into the 40s. And I'll start with you, Dad, Monty, um, to tell us a little bit about your first memories of teen penning, please.
5: Well, my first memories of teen penning goes back to, I'm going to say, 1948. And I, I, I do have a pretty good memory, at least when it gets way back there. I can't mm-hmm. remember why I came in this room, but right. uh, <laughs> way back there I can remember. And I think it's about 1948, and they had some funny little things at the county fair and the, and the county shows and stuff. And there were no rules. That is to say, each time you went to one of these things, there was a different set of rules. <laughs> and um, a different pin to put them in and a different gate to go through and a different number of cattle. And they put the numbers on in different ways. And there was uh, a lot of uh, conversation. <laughs> There was a lot of bluster. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, there was a lot of fun. Everybody had fun with the team pinning. And I, I recall in about 1949, uh, Santa Maria at the fair uh, had the team pinning. I said at the fair, but actually I think it was a connection with the Elks rodeo in uh, Santa Maria. And um, they, after the first night, they had three nights, and after the first night, they put it the last event because it was so chaotic, you know. You never knew what was going to happen. And uh, sometimes you took one cow out of uh, ten and put it in a, a through a gate, and sometimes two and sometimes three. And, um, and Maya, I'm amazed at this 93,000 people. I mean, we didn't have 93 people when I first <laughs> saw it. And everybody thought they were the best team pinner in the world, because, in fact, they might be on the day, because anything could happen in the team pinning. And um, you had the uh, inconsistencies of cattle, horses, and people. And when you put all that together, you're going to get some funny things happening, that's for sure. And um, now, it seems to me, you've gone back and done your homework, and... um, uh, Ray and Joe Yanez mm-hmm. uh, from down in Ventura area. Uh, they they are claiming to be the first ones to ever organize a competition
4: in Ventura in Ventura County Fair. I yeah,
5: think. yeah, and and that could have been. They're saying it was probably forty nine or something, mm-hmm. and I'm saying it was probably forty eight or forty seven, mm-hmm. and I have a reason for saying that because I know when I went when I started high school and. And it uh, was the first time I really went to school and and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, Joe and Ray Yanis were top-notch horse Cow- people. Cowboys. Cowboys, yeah. And um, they, they organized whatever the heck they organized called Team Penny. And I don't know whether they had one to bring out or two or three or whatever, and the gate they went in and all of that. But um, later it came to Santa Maria and there was quite a push for this with the New Hall Land and Farm Company.
6: Mm.
5: Yeah, New Hall Land and Farm Company was based in Saugus, New Hall area down there. And the Yanis's worked there quite a bit and I worked there Mm. uh, with Ralph Carter and and, uh, Vivian Carter Mm. way back. And um, they... We gathered cattle there in those pens near Newhall, which is now something Seven Flags, uh, Flags. amusement park or yeah, something right, like that. Right. Well, we we had little contests there in the day uh, uh, with this team penning thing, trying to see if there was a way to, you know, constitute a, a, a proper uh, contest of it all. And I suppose the Yannis brothers then took it up to the Ventura County Fair and they actually had the first organized competition. Maybe maybe that's true. But there was a little guy that bounced around. You call him a day hand, I guess. He he was with Newhall Land and Farm Company and he went up and worked at the Sway Ranch part of the time and so forth. A little bitty guy and he had a squeaky little voice and uh, he reckoned that he was everything to team pin, this guy. And I recall being at Santa Maria, and I'm in the King Penning, and there were, I think, ten of us and ten cows. <laughs> and they put one number on each cow. And they painted the numbers on the side with a spray can. Or I think it was a spray can, maybe it was a paintbrush, I don't know. <laughs> but there were numbers on their sides. <laughs> But as they put him out in the arena and they got down in the corner and milled around with one another and stuff, this poor little guy that was the squeaky voice, he was about maybe number eight out of ten. And when he got in there, these cattle had brushed up against one another enough. <laughs> they couldn't see the numbers. You couldn't see the numbers. <laughs> no. And he was running around the arena yelling, Sabotage, Sabotage, there's no number seven, there's no number seven. And uh, they had to stop the whole thing. And he insisted that the whole thing be done over again because the other guys had a free run (laughs) advantage. So that's the way team pinning began.
2: In your memory. That's that's how far
5: back you go. Yeah, and then to bring you full circle with it, and then I'll turn everybody else loose, but... um, it seems to me that right after I had a huge problem here at uh, Flag us Up Farms, Pat and I came back here to Flag us Up in 1972. Uh. And right after coming back here in 72, it seems to me, if my mind uh, works properly, that there were two people who were more cerebral. About this uh, business than I ever was, but we have a beautiful covered arena here.
4: Oh yes, yes, yes,
5: and I had cattle here. Yes, for the cutting horses, and we started fooling around down here in this covered arena, and we made a little pen out of some portable panels or something. And John Weister and Jack Algier, yeah, yeah. th- they were my brain trust. <laughs> and they they would come over. Well, uh, Aljo had cattle here. In my I had a sixteen hundred head feedlot oh here, and Aljo was doing all of his uh, nutritional experiments mm. here. And so that pushed you over here, John Weester uh, to bring your horse and come over here, and we would get in there and fiddle around. And you two brought to me, as I remember it. You two brought to me the idea that we should make some rules right? and that those rules should be relatively consistent so that you could take it from town to town That's right. and kind of know what you were going to do when you got there <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because the rest of it was utterly chaotic. Well, that seemed to me to be fair and I had stopped my competitive life in, in, the, in the show ring In uh, 1968 or 69. So I was ready to just have fun. right? And I had some horses that would look at a cow and and do some things. So that was good. And you guys started, as I remember it, Aljo and Weister, really started drawing on paper and doing things and coming up with ideas. You know, the 30 head, 3 head per team... Three people on the team. Crossing the line. Crossing. The, like, well, I think line. the line came later. There we go, okay. Because I think we blew it a bunch of times. <laughs> and had the herd going everywhere. And then there, you or, or where, do you,
4: where do you put the pin? Where do you put the pin? Do you have it up next to the Where the do rail? you put the pin next rail, to the rail? How many feet, feet off? off? Yeah, and
5: right. all, all that stuff was evolving.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah? And along comes a great big blustery guy with the bigger belly than... Uh, he should have had to be riding a horse called um, uh, Vince Evans and Vince Evans owned Pea Soup Anderson's and he sat down here in my covered arena and laughed his big old belly off he did He, he just roared with the fun of it all and he said you know what we ought to do if you want to get this thing known,
4: yeah.
5: you want people talking about it, you want it to come to the front and actually be a contest, we should start out by having a world championship team pin. Mm-hmm. Well, now, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. we, we didn't even have, you know, a pot or a window.
6: Uh,
5: we, 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 a world championship team pinning. Yeah, well, Vince thought that way. Didn't he? He did. he did. Big
4: thinker. Yeah, big thinker. And he put up the money. Too. And he yeah, put up the money <laughs> to need,
5: make it happen. you Need those guys? Yeah. You right. need those yeah. And so then uh, Bacon went to somebody. John Bacon up here went to somebody about the San Marcos camp. Oh yeah. yeah. And and just, we decided that the San Marcos camp would be a great spot, which it was. Yeah. A because they could camp. Out. camp out. Yeah. They could camp out. They didn't bother anybody. <laughs> you could run the c- cattle trucks in there and out of there and everything. It was fantastic. It's about 15 miles, 20 miles to the east of, of San Inez there, Solvang. And um, it's in a rare, very rural setting with a good arena. Oh, great arena. You know, and everything was there. And so we had the first world championship team pinning. I'm going to say it was 1975. And uh, we had probably, oh, I don't know. Gene Rambo was was in there.
4: Well, guys came all the way from Wyoming. Yeah, we remember
5: had that. we had yeah. maybe thirty, forty teams, which which is a hundred riders roughly. A um, hundred riders in the thing. We had a Calcutta pool, <laughs> big uh, Calcutta pool. Yeah, that we that we did, and we had the first World Championship team pinning. I remember so clearly. That I got the FFA, uh-huh. Future Farmers of America, to make tri-tip sandwiches uh, to sell there uh-huh. to benefit the FFA. You're right. You're right. And some guy came along that was considered himself a team penner. There were no team penners <laughs> yet, but he <laughs> he was an important guy to himself anyway. And they they he asked how much those sandwiches were. And those kids said they're $3. And he said, I wasn't looking to buy a cow. $3 for a sandwich? Well, you know, he got really angry. And he he wanted to take us to court and stuff for charging $3 for a beautiful barbecue tri-tip sandwich. And it, it really turned me off. Uh, I thought, you know, here we are out here having fun, and somebody's complaining about <laughs> buying a sandwich. <laughs> but anyway, those are the kind of memories that come back. Mm-hmm. We had uh, live music. We I, had a dance. We had a big dance afterwards. Yeah. yeah. sure. And um, It's
1: the only way to keep the women around, apparently, well, it then. Was. No, we were competing. We were there. Oh, there yeah. you go, Georgia. We yeah. were okay.
5: competing, too. Good. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Um, in fact... Um, the Davis boys with their wife.
7: Dan and Gary and Bobby Kay.
5: Bobby Kay Davis. Oh, yeah. She was a tough team pinner right from Ooh. the first year we had it. And I know that I bought Gene Rambo in the uh, Calcutta, and uh, he didn't win anything. <laughs> and he was my
4: hero. <laughs> I, I, I can remember one of the funniest things from that thing was two guys got in a fight over a woman. Uh, uh, and, and yeah, yeah, and I think it was you, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> Put him in the arena, we'll call, cut
0: at him. Oh <laughs> <God>, that <laughs> <and> <laughs>
5: that
4: well, that's, that's kind
5: of the end of me because uh, somehow they made me president of it for a while, and I, and I was trying to help make things happen. But the real shakers and movers in this uh, were Aljo Weister, and uh, Vince Evans. And I, I... Yeah, we started in my covered arena and we we, we did the thing and I helped uh, what I could. But and, but really, those were the brain... That was the brain trust mm-hmm. that started the team pinning. And then we had people that had different ideas about it and they broke off and made other uh, organizations and stuff. And um, the last thing I have to say on it is that uh, some... 30 years later or 40 years later I was doing uh, at one of my shows in near Rome in Italy and it was at a big fairgrounds there and the fairgrounds had various events going on on the weekend and I noticed there's a bunch of horses all tied down the fence over there with western saddles on and the people riding around uh, looking like they were from Elko, Nevada You know, and so I walked down there thinking uh, I got to find out what's going on here. (laughs) And so I went up to some young lady who was riding by on her horse and I said, What's happening here? And she said, Oh, it's the uh, Italian National. Team Penning Championship. <laughs> Whoa, you are kidding. I said, what are you talking about? Where did you hear about Italian Team Penning?
4: <laughs> team Penning Championship? Yeah.
5: I said, where do you hear about Team Penning? <laughs> oh, oh, she God. said, we've well, been Team Penning here now for five years or whatever it was, oh. something like that, you know. And I said, well, for crying out loud, whoever dreamed up this thing, Team Penning? <laughs> oh, she said, it came from the American Quarter Horse Association. I said, really? <laughs> she said, yes. And I said, "Will you tell... If you, the, is the president of your organization here? She said, yes. Are you tell him to come and talk to me, because he <laughs> needs some information. So the president and I got to know one another, and I explained to him some of the early days of the team penning. And what happened was that the American Quarter Horse Association, um, in the early 80s, they were looking for an event Possibly ah, for their for the quarter horses. Yeah, Zero? and uh, somebody was there from Italy when they were testing out some of these things in the quarter horse shows. Oh my God. Took the idea back to Italy. <laughs> took the rules, uh, your rules. Oh God! <laughs> who, yeah. who 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 was the brain trust? Did you
4: come up with more
5: rules than Aljo, or
4: did Aljo come up with oh, more rules? That's hard to say. Yeah, that's hard to say. But okay. you too, were the
5: ones, really. Yeah, coming up with the rules. That's right. Because we, we had to make them uniform. It was crazy. Yeah.
4: The way it was.
5: And yeah. you mentioned earlier this line across the middle of the arena. Yeah.
1: Well, the foul line.
5: Yeah, yeah. the foul line. Mm-hmm. Well, and the, the start the, line, too. And that's the start the time, line. That's when the time started, too. Yeah.
6: And you had to decide how many cows would be allowed to go over it before you eliminated the Right. Tournament. I
5: think and we had. might have started out with two and then pulled it back to one but you, you see before we had the foul line, we had some contests, and we had the herd all over the yep, county, yep, you over the yeah you know yeah so so those things evolved as we went along, um and of course, then one on one happened and 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 now, when you look back at it, I mean cattle rustlers were the first team pinners <laughs> 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 and, and and you have camp drafting in Australia, oh. which is very similar, but it, you have to take one cow and put it through a course, oh, my you goodness, know, like yeah. the sheepdog would do. Yeah, and then uh, there's, there's forms of this kind of thing all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they even have in Australia, they have four-track, uh, they call it camp drafting. Oh, and you're drafting the cattle at the camp. Oh. And they call it camp drafting. And they have it for four tracks, and they have it for helicopters.
1: Oh, <laughs> Can you imagine? So I'm loving hearing the background on this, but there's more to come. We've got some interesting stories coming up, and we're going to take a little break here for our sponsor, Omega Fields. Um, we're really excited because Sean's Omega Fields company has done something amazing for one of our test horses. His name is Cadillac. And we felt so strongly about it that um, we definitely wanted to bring him on as a sponsor of Horsemanship Radio. And we wanted you to know that it came in that um, order first, is that we were so impressed with this product and with this horse's results that we wanted to have him a part of our um, our monthly shows. What is it about the Omega Fields product? Something's different.
0: Omega Fields uh, was built around a really um, unique and proprietary technology. Flaxseed has been known for a long time to contain rich source of omega-3 fatty acids along with omega-6 and omega-9 fatty acids in in a near-perfect balance. But historically, there was a problem using it. It's high in fat, and when it was uh, milled into a feed product or a food product, it it would go rancid very quickly. So our company had developed a proprietary technology for stabilizing this high-fat flaxseed to make it usable, uh, give it a long shelf life in a natural uh, environment. We don't use any chemicals or additives to extend the shelf life or anything like that. It's a completely natural process. That's what makes our flax really different. Um, It makes it usable. It makes it nutritious over a long period of time. We guarantee an 18-month shelf life so consumers can use it with confidence without it going rancid that, you know, would potentially harm the horse. So, quality of manufacture, every single thing in that uh, product, Omega Horseshine, is food grade. It's made at a food grade facility with great care of product quality. Uh, The stabilization technology makes that uh, Omega-3 nutritional value locked in and usable for a long period of time. So proof is in the pudding, so to speak, that it, it really works. You'll see dramatic results in a fairly short period of time.
1: That sounds great. I want to hear from the Weasters now too. So, you guys, did you were you competing, John, in the team pinning before you met Georgia, or was that
4: probably just about that time? Uh-huh, so, this What well, I 70s. remember best of all was the family team pinning. Mean, that's what I
6: remember. Money
4: mentioned earlier about fun, and that was really fun because you'd have the the father and the mother and the little kid, and uh, or sometimes two kids and the mom and whatnot. And you had to be a family, and had to be three, and, and anyway, that was that was so much fun. Did, All my children still remember. They that they do, and, and the
1: Firestones. You mentioned that the Firestones had their kids involved. Yeah. Who else had? Who else was family here? Major,
4: I mean that was major. Brooks Brooks really got into it, as did Kate, as and, did Kate. Uh, as did the girls, the Davises, the Davises, and we had. The Sly's. yeah. Sly family. And Nancy Sly. Mm-hmm. My gosh, that was... Uh, Sandy Collier. Well, Sandy Collier in Georgia <laughs> and one other lady who I can't remember had the, the world record for women at one time. I think it was 30 seconds or something crazy.
6: I don't know. I just know one time when we were running after a minute and one went out over the fence and the speaker said that we were eliminated for roughing the cattle, but <laughs> that's just not so. <laughs> the cattle are roughing you. <laughs> and then another time I remember with John, and I can't remember who else was with us, but it was over in Lompoc.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: And um, I had a great little horse, Sundance, and it was small, and it was like a Mustang. It have been, yeah. And we were running straight for the fence. We had a, One thing that really makes a difference when you're team penning is where your numbers are when you first spot them. Because they just might, by a fortune, be all together in one group. Then you can round up and get them in there really fast. But when they're spread all through the group, it's much harder. But we had a really lucky break. And I went after mine and was riding hard toward the fence. And of course I was going to go left, scoop around, <laughs> to put them in the pen. But somehow Sundance had another idea and Sundance went right and I went straight. Nope. <laughs> and I still had the reins and somehow landed on my feet and I knew I was in trouble. I got <laughs> back on as fast as I could and of course the cow had disappeared and we started to bell riding, and we started to ride out of the arena and John starts yelling at me and the arena had high side the shoot out of it At high sides, there's a cowboy sitting up there. I don't remember who it was. And John said... John was saying to me, where were you? What did you do? And this man up there on the fence said, she fell off. And John started into a fight with him. And I just rode on out. I figured that wasn't a good place to stick around. But we had a lot of fun. I don't remember there being money in it in the beginning. No, I sort of remember the change coming when when the we did arts came in and people started practicing and videotaping themselves for practice and everything we never did that we just is there right. money
1: in it now I bet there oh, is <laughs> yeah.
6: I never saw
5: any
1: money
6: from it <laughs> 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 We did either.
5: <laughs> the money was all going the other way <laughs> Yeah
1: I think that's the way a lot of these disciplines first start yeah. it's you know it's yeah. it starts off as something fun and it's a really challenge fun. and backyard family. and family oh, yeah. that's right
4: like, Big day, big day. Yeah. So
1: tell down. me about the horses. Dad alluded a little bit that he, you could pretty much pick a horse that, you know, didn't, didn't blow up or ignore you. So what kind of horses did you use as a rule? One Mustang, I've heard. Yeah.
4: Well, the best horse, of course, always Fancy Hills that uh, actually Monty was gracious enough to sell to me. And, I mean, that horse, I, I, I couldn't even compete with how good he was. And, it's a uh, that's a quarter horse? We, that's how we won a championship one year with Jack Aljo and my nephew John Thorne, and and that's the great story of the buckle.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, tell the story of the buckle. That's a good story.
4: Well, Georgia, very fortunately, uh, after we won the Santa Maria Team Winning Championship at roughly 62nd, um, <laughs> it was the county championship, actually. Anyway, inscribed on the back the names of the three of us, and the time uh, that we had one to think of it, is and then years, several years later, we were foolish enough to be canoeing down the suicide run of the Senninez <laughs> River, and I was with Pat Roberts, <laughs> and we, anyway, it was one of those things where uh, you can't see the worst rapids from the road, and uh, we went into the worst rapid, and over we went, and and I got caught with a buckle, this buckle on my on the gunwale of the canoe, and sort of whipped the, whipped it off because I was drowning. <laughs> Came back up, lost the buckle. I mean, it just felt terrible. And uh, what was it? That summer, some uh, camper, when the w- river was dry, I was walking up the river and saw this shiny object and pulled it out. And <laughs> fortunately, there were names on the back, so. Was able to locate us and return the buckle. Return so. the
1: buckle. So the world. Yeah, so yeah. he is his world championship team pinning buckle came back.
4: Came
5: back. Just
1: to I prove that, that you were there. Yeah, that's an awesome <laughs> oh, story.
5: So
4: give your atheist a call about.
5: There that we one. go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> pretty, pretty
4: <laughs> hard. by all means, inscribe on the back of the buckle what
6: yeah. it was and what happened and who you. And yeah. What the time was and. It's just words. a coincidence. You know what a coincidence is, don't
5: you? Yeah, it's God's it's God way of God performs remain... a
6: miracle and chooses to remain anonymous. anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. a good one. I love that. Yeah.
5: yeah. Sure. I, I think, Debbie, one thing, one name that needs to come into this conversation very quickly is that after the, the prior to the first World Championship team pinning, we put the numbers on the cattle in about... 27 different ways That's right. they had That's numbers mean. on the shoulders they had numbers on the hips they had numbers on the sides and they, they were, were painted on with a brush yeah. they were painted on with a spray can mm-hmm. it, everybody had an idea about mm-hmm. how to put numbers on and I think it was Weister I, mean, yeah, I, I think it was Weister I'll give him <laughs> credit for it right now <laughs> no, no, hear me out now because I think it was Weister that came to me and said, I know a guy who's been watching all of these things from the side. Oh. And he thinks he has some good ideas about how to do the number. Yeah. And I said, okay. And I think Aljo said, okay. And um, you said his name is Bill Deputy. Yeah. Now, Bill Deputy was a mechanic? Was a I don't know. I don't know. He was He's something to do with his hands. He was a mechanic or something. And he knew about glues and materials and stuff like that. So he started fiddling about. And this character, he came here a dozen different... See, I had a roping chute in my covered arena and always had cattle here for the cutting horses and stuff. So he'd run some cattle in Mm -hmm. and he'd stick these things on them and put them out in a pen, and come back tomorrow and see if they were still there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, he went to um, he went to Charlie Hollister mm. about the glue that they use on the
4: oh, sure, sales for
5: the, cattle the sales, for the, in the sales, uh, sales barn. barn. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: sure, sales
5: and uh, and Charlie Hollister apparently told him about a new glue that just came out that was waterproof, like that it could rain on the cattle and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And uh, so Deputy started experimenting with these different glues, oh, yeah. and then he experimented with different materials, yeah. a canvas type thing, and I think he ended up with a kind of an oil cloth
6: mm-hmm.
5: that had fabric on one side, a fabric-like mm-hmm. uh, texture on one side, and slick on the other side that would hold the paint. I suppose now with... 90,000 people doing this, they probably manufacture these numbers. numbers, But I promise you, if they're manufacturing them today, they're probably still using Bill Deputy's methods. (laughs) Because when Bill Deputy got it right, we just never had any problem losing numbers after that time. People could read them really well. You could read them, clear across the thing. He placed them in such a way so that uh, excrement from the other cattle didn't cover them up and 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 bumping the fence didn't curl them up and Ooh. it was it was a we're tremendous the thing. Of the hip up on
6: top. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Bill Deputy uh, still comes here uh,
7: I see him at the horse shows all the time. And watches yeah. watches he the horses Laura.
5: working. Yeah. 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 Wow. Had, his wife Laura was on the team that came here sticking these things oh, these numbers on, you know, and they had two or three friends that came along with them. Yeah. And they were a committee unto themselves that you really couldn't, made... Couldn't, you couldn't run a team pinning without You them. couldn't do no, it. No. No, no, If it hadn't been for Bill Deputy or somebody else that would have done the same thing, team pinning never would have gone anywhere because we <laughs> couldn't keep the numbers on them to, for your life. <laughs> to make it fair I, I was, for everybody. I was in one team pinning somewhere. I think it was like up near San Jose somewhere. And they put a tiny little number square between the eyes on every... on every, And that's the only number that was on it. Well, you tell me how you ride into the herd and look between the eyes of the cattle. That's how bad we were, you know. Well, they had to finally just quit that team penning because nobody, nobody could find cattle anywhere. And they had people up on the fence yelling, over here,
6: over here, over here. Yeah. People used to be yelling at you. You couldn't hear a thing because you were going crazy in there yeah. too. You know, the n- number seven's over here. <laughs> and then when they instituted it. You couldn't, I think the first I heard yeah. you couldn't bring more than three extra over the line and then it kept reducing down. To, I think it's zero. The last I heard. Oh. It
5: might be. I don't know. Three, I think when I gave it all up.
6: changed it.
5: I think when I gave it all up you could bring one extra over and kick him back. That's right.
6: That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's no, right. count until you kicked him back. That's yeah. Right. Yeah, it yeah, didn't count. Back over the line. No, but
5: tell me, how did, this,
4: how did the watch stop? Oh, when, when you when you uh, lifted your hat. Who? Whoever uh, was the first, in the, gate, the first yeah. The first team, uh, the first uh, one on the three-man team that, that did it. It didn't that, have to be all three.
6: No. But you all had to be across the line on the right yes, side. Yes, across the line. And all the other cattle had to be on the other side of the line. Right. Okay. But, it, but,
5: but it th- it, three uh, people didn't one, have to be standing in the gate. No, no, just one. Just the one that made them all go in there. Well,
4: the last one, first one, as soon as he went in, raised his hat. That was it. Well, if you didn't have a hat on, <laughs> you had, you were required. On.
6: Remember? We had to wear hats. Is remember? that
5: right? Well, That's it, right? it was
7: required, but but you could lose one during your yes. run. <laughs> but
5: you to, but I you guess you could just raise your hand, hand and yeah, you get right. to, mm-hmm. yeah. But I remember the argument that. Um, who, what was the name of the secretary of, um,
4: uh, of Lorraine uh,
5: Lafarge? Lorraine Lafarge.
4: oh yeah
5: well was. she was very upset with all of us <laughs> because she was up there doing the timing and I think maybe yeah. I think maybe um, you're, well, the, you're isn't is there somebody to drop the flag? yeah yeah there's a flag John on the line yeah, yeah. but then Laf- Lorraine and uh, Aljo's secretary, Lorraine, yeah, was Lorraine. That's yeah. Lorraine, and then I think deputy's wife—they were doing Laura. the timing. Laura?
6: maybe yeah. that's right. And
5: and they they were shouting at us because they were asking, "Who do we watch for the time? Who do we watch for the time?" Because they're looking here, and everybody else had to watch where the cattle were and mm. all, all of that sort of thing, and. Um, so it came down to some rule was made, and like you just clarified, uh, the first person to run them in the pen could stand in the gate and raise their hand, and that stopped the watch right and you didn't back. if you didn't have all your cattle across, you couldn't raise your hand right, right. because yeah. she 's going to punch the watch, and then you got zero right
4: because well, unless you had, unless you settled for only one or two. Well, faith. true. Oh, that's
6: yeah, right. That's you settle. You could, could do that. You yeah. Could do but that. then you had to really watch it because they'd shoot back out.
4: If you yeah.
1: The Is there a time penalty if you didn't get all three? Is that, yes. why oh, could you? Uh,
4: oh, oh well. It, it came down to. It came down to if somebody had three in, they were obviously the winner. Mm, and sometimes it was so rough. And the cattle were so wild huh. that you were lucky to get one in, mm-hmm. and maybe two, so that it was two trump, oh, one, see. three trump, two, two trump. One. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's a balancer within the right, uh, right, within right, the cattle right. themselves. So like yeah, fine, yeah. But of
4: course, the big deal is get your three in as fast as you can. Uh, yeah, that's, well, you know, that's
5: your... I I think Debbie, it's important to say that a lot of people who love horses and animals in general are often looking for things to ban. You know, ban this, ban that, ban this, ban that. And team penning came along at a time when horses needed something to do. Um, We don't need them to plow the fields anymore, pull the trees down and all that sort of thing. So you just keep banning things, and pretty soon nobody needs a horse for anything. And having fun... And a family like oh, you yeah, all mentioned—really great. Um, team penning brought a whole new perspective to at least the Western world of uh, horsemanship, in that it gave thousands of horses another job to do, and even people who weren't competing in team penning were home playing with it. You know, and and uh, jackpot roping arenas would have team pinning on the Wednesday or something like that, you know. And um, there are circumstances, in my opinion, whereby there are events that should be canceled. Banned. The OMAC suicide race. <laughs>
4: okay.
5: A horrible thing, jumping horses off a cliff into a river and swimming across the river and stuff that killed horses and everything. Just ban it. I, that's okay.
1: And it is banned.
5: And it is banned. Yeah. And, and the wild horse race should be banned and it is pretty much no longer in existence. Mm-hmm. But the thing they do in Italy, called uh, something or other, where they run those horses, they run races on cobblestone streets oh. mm-hmm. and the horses are falling down, people get killed and mm-hmm. horses get killed, you mm-hmm. ban them. Mm-hmm. But be careful what you ban.
7: Mm-hmm.
5: Right now they're talking about banning horses from the carriages in New York City. My opinion is that the real estate people want those stable areas for high-rise buildings. (laughs) Probably. But they say that they're badly cared for, they say their feet are bad, they say this and that and the other thing. And they may be right in some instances, but with today's standards, you could chip these horses and be sure that farriers went by and checked them. You could be sure that veterinarians went to see that they were cared for properly and mm. that their weight was right and one thing or another. And those kids in the middle of New York City may only see one horse in their life, mm. and mm. it's on a carriage. And then you have places like New Orleans and several towns in California and, and, and Texas. Sol, and Solvang New right here. Solvang right here. You know, we we need to be careful what we ban horses from mm. because mm. they've been banned from enough things. Right in my opinion we just need to get our events better mm-hmm. more well that's compassionate to that's the what you've needs. done
1: with team pinning and that's what's so fun about this and conversation that's what, that's is going back you're
5: exactly. putting team pinning on the radio because mm-hmm. it is finding something else for mm-hmm. the horse to do that's fun it's wonderful for the families.
1: Right. It's, uh, and I'm also hearing <clears throat> that it's a dating service because um, <laughs> Georgia and John were dating at the time, but Mom tells me that she was actually dating you when you did your first team penning. So I'd love to hear right. from her about that. That's
7: true. That was in 1955, I believe. And at that time, there were a lot of mixed team roping and uh, and uh, team penning. Oh. And it didn't necessarily have to be a mixed Team Penny, but uh, I remember that my introduction to Team Penny was that year, 1955, and Monty and I going to King City, California, and competing in the mixed team roping and and the Team Penny, and we won both.
5: Wow. Did
7: we? We did.
5: (laughs) Holy moly. I know. Were we the only ones entered? (laughs) Yeah. No, we weren't the only ones entered.
7: Undoubtedly, I was the greenest, though, of anyone that was in that competition. So well it was your you first well. time
5: so <laughs> yeah. that's as green as grass
7: yeah and I was green yeah. As well, but it was fun
5: there were a lot of mixed um, mixed yeah. events at that point in time mm-hmm. and now the dadgum girls are taking over good job it
6: was really fun with the family seeing the little kids out there yeah. like, with their yeah. parents and the interaction and we'd all camp in those uh, overnight out in the Dark, I can remember in the tents, and we had all the kids along, and and then we had the dance afterward. I think it was the Egan Brothers. Yeah, Egan Brothers. Yeah, Goodness. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And yeah. those tri tip sandwiches were, we're worth good. They were
1: $3. $3. <laughs> <laughs> tri tip, we should explain to the listeners too this that that's a very Central Coast, California birthplace for tri tip sandwiches. It is that piece of meat. That was known as the San Maria style, isn't That's it? Right. Yeah, cooked, cook and it's, it's encased in its Marbury. fat. Now a lot of people have heard of it, but at the time, I bet yeah, that that it's was c-
5: it's becoming wider known. But it's it's actually the tip of the sirloin, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's a triangular piece of meat that mm-hmm. fits just ahead of the rump roast and, and onto the sirloin, and they call it a tri-tip, and uh, it has a bark of fat over it so that when it cooks, it bastes itself. Mm-hmm. And it's it's tender and it's tasty, and the FFA needed the funds. <laughs> so it probably cost them two dollars to make the dog sandwich, and they were getting a dollar for bringing it up there yeah. to us. You know, so I was I was pleased to have gotten them, and uh, uh, it it was a lot of fun. Remember Dick McBride? He yeah. was oh, the yeah. he was the coach of the football team at the high school here, mm-hmm. and he started team pinning, and he was a madman out there. I remember one time, you'll probably want to cut this, (laughs) uh, but I remember one time we were up there, and the dance was going on and stuff, and the Hells Angels motorcycle group came rumbling into the campgrounds, and that was a real war. Lawrence Snow was there, was about six or eight of his sons, and they had a big war with the Hell's Angels and ran them out of the place (laughs) I
6: just remember we were all told to get in our tent and stay there oh
5: yeah (laughs) Well, you remember the incident yeah Yeah. how funny
1: so so one one, we got to do a name dropper in here you said that there was only one undefeated person that you remember in team pinning money that um, he he went into it it was so easy for him he won the first thing and quit after that because he was undefeated do you remember who that was
5: Casey Tibbs
1: really yeah
5: Casey Tibbs came here and was down here team pinning with us. And he just got the biggest kick out of that team pinning. And somebody talked to him. I can't remember who he teamed up with. But somebody talked to him and we went down to uh, the Eastern Empire there. Uh, where did Farrell Jones live?
7: Oh, way down Hemet?
5: Hemet. Mm-hmm. Went down to Hemet. Um, so... Casey Tibbs came here, practiced with us, got enthused about Team Penny, and decided he wanted to go to a Team Penny. Well, they were going to have one down in Hemet, California. And he teamed up with somebody I can't remember who. And um, I kept telling him, it's harder than you think it is, you know.
4: Oh, yeah, it looks
5: easy. It looks easy. And uh, so we get down there, and um, he goes in the arena, and they, I don't know, they won by like 15 seconds or something, all three of them, like Georgia said, all three of them were standing on one corner, Tibbs ran around them like a wraparound and in the pen they went, and he won the whole thing and it's the only team penning he ever (laughs) and he was a multiple world champion, saddle bronc rider and all around cowboy but uh, just before he died, he came to a a very large uh, gathering for him he was in his final stages of cancer um, at the National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas, and I sat and visited with him and reminded him of uh, his winning of the team penning. And he said, "I told you that was easy." <laughs> <laughs> so all he ever knew of team penning was that it was really easy.
1: Beginner's luck. Yeah. lot. I remember
6: they kept changing the gate position too. As they were refining it,
5: it oh, gosh. harder and
6: harder to get those cattle in there. Yeah, well, we got it on the back sides so of the cows. were headed right back toward the herd, but you had to fit them through this a little.
5: Yeah, bit. but <laughs> Georgia, before your time, sometimes they would have like a little three foot gate in the fence line going into a corral. Mm-hmm. You didn't even have a portable pen. You had to put them through somebody's arena gate. <laughs> you know, and uh, when John and Aljo started figuring out this pen. I don't think this way. I, I do not think this way. Because the pen isn't square. No. And it isn't round. And the opening is off at an angle and there's a wing on it and stuff. And nothing fits for me. I'm, I'm a linear thinker. And I said, you can't, you can't make this this way because nobody will ever repeat exactly how it's done. Yes, they will. It's so many feet across the back. It's so many feet on a 90-degree angle. So, and so, so, and so, and so. And they did it. And it's, it's there, and, and I see it in my head right now. So it works, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, you could have given me 50 years, and I never would have figured it out. <laughs> but uh, well, Leister and,
4: and uh, Aljo, they figured it out. That well, was fun. What a, t- what a great time we had mm-hmm. doing that. And, mm-hmm. Oh, I wish we were still doing it. <laughs> oh. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh I yeah. I don't
7: go that fast on a horse oh, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Pat
5: can still do it.
7: Oh yeah, I would love to
5: do it. Did you know that? Are you still doing it?
7: I'm still competing.
4: Oh, with Pat. cow
7: horse classes. Oh, that's
4: did crazy. you know that? I knew you were in the cow horse classes, mm-hmm. when we went over to watch you one mm-hmm. day. Yeah. Well, okay. she she I'll was the champion last year.
5: Oh my
7: God! Uh, for the in year, five thousand non-pro yeah wow
1: so, got a buckle she to prove got a buckle
5: whoa still, still
7: after those buckles <laughs> no I don't have it all but it's a pretty buckle oh.
5: but you can see yeah. that she's sculpting still yeah not yeah. enough yeah <laughs> and not fast enough <laughs> <laughs> but she she's,
6: has other duties <laughs> yeah taking <laughs> care <Sure> <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> but she,
5: she she's she's still sculpting but when she when she started sculpting she put the saddle down and uh she really never showed in competition for forty years. Oh my goodness! Forty oh years God. without courage. anything like that. Then she puts it's the crazy. saddle back on, and there
4: you go. And she wins the wins the championship yeah. right here. Oh Actually,
7: wow! that's the second time I've done that, and I was reserve champion one other time. So I had a good four or five years. Wow, that's great. That's and, fun. And I hear you don't. started on. Monty's horse when he was out of town. Oh, yeah. Got in big (laughs) trouble there. (laughs) Actually, I started on a mare that uh, I had that was, she was quite nice, but we were going to sell her after the 7-bit paternity and she wouldn't pass the vet. So I said, well, what are we going to do with her? And that's when I started.
4: Hmm. Uh, I said, well, you know,
7: I better go start uh, showing again. And uh, I started showing her, and that's what got me back into it. And she's never been unsound. <laughs> there, it's, wow. it's, it,
5: it can be cut from this tape. But the two championships and the reserve champion that ship that she won, she was the oldest person <laughs> in the in the whole body of people that competed the throughout it. the year. Uh, but you can cut that because she well, still claims that. to be forty two. <laughs> so
4: you look for it yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah thank you John,
6: thank
4: you, John.
1: <laughs> well thank you guys for sharing all that it's just adorable and fun and I hope we get to do That's it so, did you start any other disciplines that are up to 93,000 teams on earth now or are you... <laughs> well, certainly not the canoeing of the Santa. <laughs> no <we're... laughs> Well, we're doing something new for 2016, and we're having a lot of fun with it. Jamie Jennings, as you know from Horses in the Morning, is the co-host, and she is enlisted now to help us with our new segment called Ask Monty. And it's really about the most common horse problems solved, but we're solving them with a typical Monty Roberts concept answer.
6: Whisper the language of the herd.
4: Listen, you don't have to say a word.
2: It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty.
6: Leave this world a better place than murder. The magic in the language of the
8: moon. I purchased your book last week and am pleased that I've already learned some of your good horse sense through trial and error myself. A very inspiring read for a horse lover. I grew up on a farm as a kid in a beautiful part of Saskatchewan. There was and still is lots of unspoiled room to ride, and I've had the good fortune to have a horse while growing up. However, there's a lot of wisdom for me to gain yet. I've always wondered more about the animal's language as well. I knew there was one, but I couldn't translate much of it. Is there more? Monty's answer. It is a long process for me to prove to myself and be satisfied that my definition of a gesture is true and demonstrable. I am not fully satisfied that I have any further gesture identification to add to what is included in my books to date. I applaud you for continuing to investigate the potential to identify further gestures and their appropriate meaning. It is my hope that one day I might be able to witness your work and assess your findings. Please continue to explore. It is fun, and who knows what you might discover. It would not be right to leave you with the notion that the language of Equus has been fully identified. I am certain that the future holds many discoveries in this area. I firmly believe what we now know is far less than what is waiting to be discovered.
5: Hi, I'm Monty Roberts. And I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it, too, on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online, too, on our forum. And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at montyroberts.com
0: the wide, wide world of sports is going on here. Where in the world is Monty Roberts?
1: Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. Coming up in March, he's got an English tour with three dates, March 5th, 11th, and 19th. And then in April, he'll head over to to Denmark, where he'll be in Willemsburg. Then he heads to Germany, close by, and he'll have dates 421, that's April 21, April 23rd, April 30th. And then the last two are in Austria, that's May 5th and May 7th. He's a busy boy. Then he jumps in a plane, and in July, 17 through 21, he has his Monty Special Training, which is a translation in Portuguese. Then August 1st through 5, he has Monty Special Training at Flag is Up Farms, California. And then August 22 through September 2, it'll be the second Gentling Wild Horse course at Flag is Up Farms. Those are so exciting.
2: I can see someday that the Gentling Wild Horses courses will be streamed live Oh, that would be so cool to would have that, a webcam. Would that yes. not be awesome? So it that be. that people can participate by because so much of the skill set you need to see it. It's so hard to explain. It's so subtle. It yeah, is totally timing and seeing the honesty
1: of those mustangs. It's the, they're the coolest teachers in the horse world, hands down to me. Yeah.
2: And if you are not able to commit all of that to memory, you can find out all of those things and more at com, or you can get Monty's calendar by calling Flag Is Up Farm at 805-688-6288 and for details about today's show go to HorsemanshipRadio.com where you can find links and photos and more information about our guests and there will be no dog involved! (laughs) (laughs) As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Monty Roberts or if you're a tweeter, you can Twitter... No, if you're a Twitter, you can tweet Monty, (laughs) monty underscore roberts.com and get the app. Make it easy to listen to Horsemanship Radio. Go to the App Store and search Horse Radio Network. You can download it. It's quick, it's free, and it's easy. And get all of your favorite Horse Radio Network shows. It's for iTunes or Android. That's the way to do it. Google Play. That's it. So many thanks to our sponsors,
1: too, IFA.com, Omega Fields, and Monty Roberts Equus Online University. And be sure to visit all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network, the growing network, at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours.